one thing bad with this uh, PowerPoint is that uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know how to exactly. Wow, there it is, all right. All right, sorry about all that. <clears throat> so, um, one of the gifts are uh, the gifts that uh, our family, our church family gives is truth. Just telling the truth, even if you don't like it. Right? So, one of the members of our church here came up to me this morning and just gave me a truth that I hate. <laughs> he said, Pastor, you do know that your son leaves August 29th. That's three months from now. I really don't want to know that. <laughs> I could really care less about that right now. <clears throat> so we're going to use him as much as we can before he leaves. That's the last one in our nest. And he's glad he's leaving. <laughs> but uh, pray for all of our families that are, our kids are heading out. Gabe, are you heading out that time frame? Anybody else heading out that time frame? All right, both, all the rest of you are saved. You're staying here, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, I'm highly kidding, <clears throat> although we would love for you to stay around here. Romans chapter 12, we've been focused on love, and it's very interesting in this passage that um, the apostle uses a marriage term when dealing with love in here. And so my mind, and I guess most of our minds will end up at marriage one point, and I remember our my our wedding anniversary coming up June thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. Oh yeah, <laughs> got it right. <laughs> uh, one of the things you know, we express our men are weird. <laughs> there you go. One of the ways we express our loves, at least this is what I did with our my wife, is. I gave her a pair of waiters for our wedding. You're like, are you an idiot? Yes, I am. <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing that up is because sometimes we don't love correctly. Men or women. And although that is a true statement, sometimes, and I'm not saying this with the waiters, but some may think so, 
we don't love genuinely. We bring flowers to our wife because we crashed the car. That's not genuine love, is it? There's a hypocritical love that's behind that. Is that not true? One of the biggest hypocritical loves within a local church or any church for that matter would be, man, if we could just get the mayor to come to know the Lord or the, the, the owner of Walmart to get to know the Lord. Well, that's hypocritical love. What are you saying? It's all about you. It's not really about Christ. And this morning, that is the sermon that Paul is going to express in Romans chapter 12. He just got done giving all these gifts. For what reason? Because that's what the church is. It is a family, is it not? It is a family, and those gifts are needed in every aspect. We are to be with zeal, with diligence, using those gifts to encourage one another. By the way, not discourage them. <laughs> Three months. <laughs> Kidding. So Paul does that in Romans 12, just like he does in 1 Corinthians 12, then 13 and 14. It's love. Gifts are motivated in love. Love for the Lord and love for others. And as I should say, love for the Lord and as a result, love for others. The Bible says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, and by the way, all this is together packed tightly in this text. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, based on who God is, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship or reasonable or logical outcome of what He's already done for you. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the culture of this world. It's not that we are to make our music sound like the world's or our lives look like the world's or our clothes dress like the world. We are different. We are aliens to this world. It isn't our home. Don't be conformed to the culture. Don't be conformed to the world mindset. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Soak yourselves in the Word of God. Sat, be saturated, be immersed in God's Word. Preaching of the text. By the way, there's some preachers you shouldn't be listening to. Okay, this is not a stretch. Charles Finney is one of them. If you want to know more, you should have been here this morning. It's on the video. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to you, to everyone among you, not to think more highly than he ought to think. What is that talking about? We're to be humble. There is no greater way to be humble than to know God. Amen. The more you know God, the more humble you will become. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Don't lie to yourself. We aren't good people. We're sinners saved by grace. As God has allotted each a measure of faith. 
God has given to each one of us a different gift, a measure of all these gifts, to be honest with you. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, you have a hand, you have a foot, you have an eye, you have a nose. They, they all together form the body. If the body is not fully formed, it's called handicapped of some sort. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And matter of fact, the scripture, other scriptures tell us this is the body of Christ. And when you are not using the gift that God has placed within you to serve the body of Christ, in a sense, the body of Christ is handicapped to, for people to see. They, they, look, they don't see the complete picture. They, say a, they see a wobbly one or an incomplete one. And it's ugly in many times. And by the way, just the reality of it, there's not a person in here, especially myself, we are all hypocrites in one aspect. And it's because we've lost sight of God somewhere, someplace. And our minds need to continue to be renewed every day. We are, we who, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually members one of another. Yeah, he's, you know, I go to church with him. It's more than that. He's my brother. He's my, she's my sister. She's my mother. She's my father. Does the Bible say that about people within the church? Yes or no? Absolutely does. And we'll see the text later on, Lord willing. So, we have gifts that differ according to the grace that's given to us. We don't, aren't all the hand. We aren't all the eye. We aren't all the nose. We are all individuals, but together we form the body of Christ that the world sees. Since we have these gifts differing according to the grace given to us, meaning, and by the way, the grace given to us, always we have to understand we are humble because we didn't obtain this gift. We didn't work for this gift. God gave us this gift. By the way, during Christmas time, when you have your son or daughter there and you give them a gift and they open the gift and here's this beautiful, beautiful purple and red fire truck, And they throw it in the corner and never use it. Let me ask you, how do you feel? That's a picture. Each of us is to exercise them according. If prophecy, according to the proportion of faith. Is service in serving. He that teaches in teaching. He in exhortation, exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. By the way, this word with diligence is this fire word that we'll get to in another verse coming up. Same word. Translated a little differently. Verses 9 through 11 is where we are this morning. Let love be without hypocrisy. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just changed everything. We're about gifts, about serving the Lord, about humility, and then you go right into love? Absolutely. Because the foundation of those gifts is love. The reason you have those gifts is love. The reason you're alive today is because of love. You can take anything you want to take. If without love, it's gone. It's history. It's not here. Let love be without hypocrisy. Immediately we find out that love then, according to the text, 
can be hypocritical. Is that not true? Absolutely. Love can be hypocritical. But don't let it be hypocritical, the text says. Abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted one to another. I mean, he's just going, you ever heard of an of of automatic rifle? Bam, 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 just going, 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 going. That's what this is. He's just going one after another. Bam, 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 bam. Giving you all these commands, exhortations of how we are to use these gifts. Be devoted one to another in brotherly love. That verse right, that part, it's just, that's the family verse. It's familial, familial, I think is the term. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. There it is. Fervent in spirit. Those diligence, that zeal, fervent, that's the burning in spirit. Serving who? Serving who? The Lord. Not ourselves. Serving the Lord. So we're going to go through this step by step this morning. We won't get all the way through it, but I think it's very important we understand what the text is trying to state in accordance with all the gifts. Because it comes right on the heel. It literally is the foundation for, and the motivation for all the gifts that are mentioned there and to love God. So here we are. In verse 9, or, uh, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. And then it goes on in the last, and I don't have it on our text here because we're not going to get that far, but rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer, continuing to the needs of the saints practicing hospitality if you look at that list how many would say well when am i going to have my time will that enter christians minds when's me time if that's the attitude then we better check where our relationship is with the lord jesus christ christianity is not about me it's about God and His glory. It's all about God and His glory. Why does Paul now immediately talk about this term called love? What is this love? This love is unselfish love. This love is self-giving love. This love is willful, devotional love. Love centers, true, genuine love centers on the needs and welfare of the loved of the one loved and will pay whatever personal price is necessary to meet those needs and foster that welfare. 1 Corinthians 13, we just, Mr. Pierce just read it. It's full of how important, how greatly important it is. As a matter of fact, then abide a faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Why? There's no faith and hope in heaven. The result of faith and hope are in heaven. But there's no faith in heaven because it's realized. Love is there. 1 Corinthians, by the way, I'm sorry. Genuine love is not self motivated love at all. 
The Bible says it this way, and I think it's extremely important. Love is a key term. Love is a key action in the Christian life. Contrary to what we talked about this morning in our CE class, 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Amen? If you do not love the Lord, you are not born again. You cannot love the Lord. You cannot hate the Lord and be born again. Can you be mad at the Lord? There are examples in prophets' lives when in moments of their lives they were mad at the Lord. Yes. But do you hate the Lord? You must love the Lord. Why would you love the Lord? Based on what motivation to love the Lord? Look at the mercies that He's given. That's what the text says. By the mercies of God. So, what does it mean to be accursed? The Bible says in Romans 9, verse 3, For I wished that I myself were accursed. Uses the exact same word. Paul says, okay, so if you do not love the Lord, you are accursed. Love is that important. And if you do not love the Lord, you are accursed. For I wish that I myself, in Romans 9, were accursed. Separated from Christ. That's what that word is. Separated from Christ. For the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. In other words, he said, if I could become unsafe for your salvation, I would do so. That's what that term means. Love is that important. John MacArthur was asked a question from the, at a question and answer time, which are very dangerous, by the way. <laughs> But in a question and answer time, he had this one of the late one of the people said, Hey, can you define lordship? <laughs> Which yeah, whatever. It's a term that really can't be defined dogmatically. And he said this. He said, I can give you the define I can define lordship in one word. Do you love the Lord? It's that simple. I agree with him. Paul agrees with him. Love the Lord. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, we love, why? Why do we love the Lord? Because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and then hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have heard from him that the one who loves God loves his brother also. Now, it's interesting in our translations, the text actually says in our translations, the one who loves God should love his brother. Is there wriggle room in our understanding of what the term should is? Guess what? It's not in the text. That's an addition to help us understand. It would have been a better term to say, will, amen, love others. And by the way, what does that have to do with us? Well, the whole point is, you're sitting in a room with your brothers and sisters. We are to love them. Well, you don't understand this guy. He's a hypocrite. So are we. 
I just got done saying, every one of us in this room are hypocrites. Every one of us. The church is full of hypocrites. You've heard of people say, I'm not going to a church. They're full of hypocrites. Yep, there it is. And I'm one. And guess what? So are you. This is a place where we encourage each other out of hypocrisy. Amen. So, 1 John 4, 1 Corinthians 16, very clear. Love is extremely foundationally important. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. Again, it's the same thing. We are to love each other. Real question, do we? Do we? Loving each other takes sacrifice. There have been times, matter of fact, I can remember one very clearly, a week ago, 2.30 in the morning, I'm sleeping soundly after 12 to 14 hours of work. The phone rings. I did not love that person at that moment. I should have loved that person at that moment. By the way, I talked to them and said, hey, you had an emergency? Oh, uh, I didn't know I called. <sighs> but here's the reality. It takes sacrifice. Does it not? I remember being in Wapaka, getting a call between 2 and 3 in the morning. Here was the message. Pastor Tim, can you come over? What do you need? My basement is flooded. I have an electric hot water heater and I need someone to go down and shut it off. I was very unloving. Call an electrician. He wanted to kill me. The reality is people Working with people is messy because we're all hypocrites. We're all sinners. We all do really dumb and say really dumb things that are ungodly. We still must choose to love each other despite it. Loving each other. Genuine love is not self-motivated. Paul begins with love just like the letter of Corinthians does. It goes gifts, 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 love, love, love. It's true. Is it true that in the sense everyone has the gift of proclaiming the Word of God? Is it not true? We just talked about this last week. Absolutely. Every Christian has been gifted with the gift of serving. There's not a Christian in the world who has not been given that gift. All believers in some sense teach other people. Christians are all exhorted. We all have the gift of our exhortation to one another. Believers are also of all sorts, are given the gift to love one another. Every believer is to lead in some sense with zeal, with burning. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with what? All laziness. Oh, it's the antithesis of that. All believers, without exception, are to show mercy. 
In essence, there is a sense in all of these that we are gifted in all of these gifts. Some fashion, some measure of it is given to you. All of us have this. True? Why is it that most Christians certainly do not do any of these things, let alone maybe only some of these things? Is it that we all possess a hypocritical and not a genuine love? That's Paul's problem. If you really loved your brother, if you really loved your sister, these gifts would be seen from you giving to them and them giving to you. Amen? We're all in this together. Because many Christians today, including myself, why is it we have a problem? Many Christians today, including myself, have a love problem. We have a love problem. Paul is talking, taking this problem head on. I mean, he is going right after it. The underlying motivation to use the gift that God so genuinely gave each of us is love. It is love. It is love. It is love. Got it? This love is to God and as a result to others. Matthew chapter 22 says it this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Many Christians love themselves. Paul calls this hypocritical love. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your soul for a sincere love of the brethren. This is the idea. This is a sincere love, a genuine love. That's the word I want to bring your attention to. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but of imperishable. You've been born of God, the perfect love. Amen. The very definition, the very essence of love. I think it was probably inconvenient for him to come and die. It certainly was sacrificial. And he didn't do it for his own case. Well, I do it for people that are nice to me. He didn't. He did it for people that are enemies of him. Having been born again, not of the sea which is, in, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. Hypocritical love is the next thing he talks about. Hypocritical love is disguised love of self. Plain and simple. Hypocritical love is, I love myself, therefore I will do things, so I get something. Many Christians love themselves. And here, he insists that love must be without hypocrisy. Love can be genuine or hypocritical. The very underlying foundation of faith, life, salvation is love, genuine love. It was genuine love that created man in his image. It was genuine love that put them out of the garden and did not annihilate them. It was genuine love that saved humanity with an ark. It was genuine love that dispersed humanity at Babel. It was genuine love that chose Abraham's lineage to save the world. 
It was genuine love that brought Israel out of Egypt, out of Babylon, and saved Israel from the annihilation by Assyria. It was genuine love that sent His only begotten Son. It was genuine love that placed His Son, placed our sin on His Son. It was genuine love that died for me and for you. This is genuine love. He didn't get anything out of this. We did. What makes it genuine? What self-purpose did God receive by creating man? I mean, in our minds, look at the mess man has made. Why in the world would I want that employee? And you can go through about uh, sending his son, placing the sin on, on his son, dying for me, sacrificing for me. What, what self-motivation is that? That gets back to 1 Peter 1.22, which we just read. It's a sincere love for one another. Hypocritical love is disguised love of self. People can be externally kind and nice, yet lack genuine love and affection for others. They can. All of us can. And I would argue that all of us have. And maybe all of us are. You see, hypocritical love is self-motivated. Hypocritical love desires man's praise. Why do you do what you do? The praise of man? Hypocritical love desires popularity. Hypocritical love desires financial gain. Hypocritical love works because of human tradition. Hypocritical love demands virtue signaling. By the way, I was told last week that some, many of you don't know what, how many know what virtue signaling is? Virtue signaling is doing good work so everybody else out in the world thinks you're a really good guy. Virtue signaling in present day is bailing the rioters out of jail after they burn down the police station in Minneapolis. That is virtual. See, the, I love these guys. I'm a good person. I'm not a racist. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bail them out of jail. When in their deep, dark heart, they hate God. And therefore, they can't do good works, to be honest with you. It's not possible. Why do we do the things we do? Hypocritical love demands we fight for causes that benefit our own desires and wants. In other words, hypocritical love can be almost like Americanism. Folks, our Americanism is second at best to God. Amen. Why do we do the things we do? So, why has God given us the gift of preaching? Let's go through those gifts. Why has God given us the gift of 
prophecy or proclaiming the Word of God. Why? To proclaim the Word of God to others. Why has God given us the gift of service? To serve others. Why has He given us the gift of teaching? To teach others. To exhort others. To give to others. To love others. To have mercy on others. None of that is self-induced. Amen? It's given by God for others. It's like, I've given you this to use to serve others and all you do is feed on it yourself. To make yourself look good. That, that is so foreign to the text. God has given you all those gifts to serve, love, help, encourage other people, not ourselves. And by the way, when you start serving and loving and doing these gifts for other people, you will love it. It will be like, where was I doing all this time? Being dumb. Wasting all that time. Trying to serve self. Hypocritical love is disguised. Love of self. <clears throat> if we truly love the Lord, we will certainly, without exception, love others, especially of the household of faith. Especially of the household of faith. And as a result of truly loving God and others, according to the Scripture, guess what else happens? Well, genuine love hates evil. Oh! No one wants to talk about that. Folks, God hates. He loves too, but He hates it's not a bad word. It's a reality. And obviously it must be righteous if God hates also. Amen. Righteous hatred. Genuine love hates evil. This next exhortation that Paul gives in this list is that he gives it's hating. Those who belong to the people of God are to hate what is evil? What evil is he talking about? The truth is it's easy to hate the evil found in others. Is it not true? I hate that person because of this, and I hate this because of that. And, and we highlight and express how bad everybody else is. Why do we do that? I would argue that it's because we all possess a hypocritical love. When we make other people look bad but never talk about our problems, all of a sudden we look pretty good. Don't we? That's a hypocritical love. This is, exa this is an example of hypocritical love. When we highlight and express all everybody else's problems but never our own. True Christians hate sin and evil that easily besets our own lives. We hate it. This is a problem when we, when, when you, by the way, this will happen in this church, I guarantee you, it's going to be probably sooner than later. When one of the men in our church 
is caught indulging in pornography or something of that sort, which will happen. That does not give an excuse. I'm just saying it will. It is that prevalent. When that happens and you confront them and they dismiss it, that person has a heart problem big time. Because it's everybody else's fault but their own. That person, if that, oh, that was so wicked, it was so bad, it was so sinful, it was so disgusting. No, well, it's because I did that because of this, and I did that because of that. I question the salvation of that person, to be honest with you. Now, we can look at somebody else and look and say that. What about us? Do we hate our sins? Well, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. Okay, you already have started off on the wrong foot. Praise the Lord, His mercies are more every day. But the reason His mercies are more every day is because we found out a better way of sinning. Have we not? We haven't recognized the sin that besets us. And therefore, we keep doing it as if it's nothing. We put in front of us sinning people on TV for entertainment. I mean, is that... That's stupid. <laughs> Why would we do that? Listen, California wants to glorify any kind of sexual sin they can and make it okay. Okay, I said California in general. You know what I'm talking about. They got big letters on their mountain, which are smaller than the mountains that we like to go to. Genuine love hates evil. This one expresses it very clearly. And, and here's the deal, though. Let me draw it to this text. Because true Christians do not <clears throat> because true Christians do not subdue and hide their evil little pet sins. Did you hear that? True believers want to deal with the sin, not just hide it. Do we get that? They hate it so bad that they will go to great lengths to get rid of them, to rid themselves of that sin. How many, we just, oh, it's disgusting. Do you know why it's disgusting? Because you're renewing your mind and knowing God better. Otherwise, it's not disgusting. It's just normal American behavior. How much closer to God are you today than you were last year? Are you growing in Him? Are you being used by Him? Are you using your gifts to serve others? Maybe our growth and joy in Christ is stunted because they, we think we're okay. We think we're fine. Nothing to see here. Move along. Do we hate evil, especially the evil that are, is in our hearts? And every one of us have it. How much do we allow this to impact our lives? The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love 
covers a multitude of sins. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. It is impossible to genuinely to love genuinely and not hate evil. Why? Because God is love and that's our foundation of love. Therefore, we have to hate evil. In Romans 7, Paul was disgusted with his own sin. Do you remember that? Oh, wretched man that I am. I've got a problem. Man, Paul was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. How many would agree that he was the greatest preacher that ever lived? I would argue that he turned the world upside down. God used him to turn the world upside down. He was open and honest about his wickedness. But today, we got perfect Christians all over. I, I don't know how that happened. Everybody's perfect. At least that's what we, that's the facade we portray. We are also to hate the sins, not only of ourselves, as Paul did, but we are also to hate the sins of others. The Bible does say, by their fruits you shall know them. Very clearly. The Bible does talk about church discipline. How can you church discipline without inspecting fruits? The Bible does say, reprove, rebuke. How are you going to reprove and rebuke if you're not supposed to talk about or look at fruit? We are to hate the sins of others and we are to rebuke the, the sins of others. But we must pause when we do so. And as we hate the sins of others, we must understand that we too were and in and are in ways still have some of the same sins in our lives. Amen? It's a word that Paul uses right away. It's called humility and honesty. And Paul brings it out, in, or Jude brings it out here. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Saturating yourselves in the word. That's how we do that. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. We do help others in mercy. But it's in humility and mercy because guess what? We're sinners too. Some of the greatest revivals that ever took place are the revivals that started with disciplining church people out of the church. Not only does it get rid of that who profess salvation and truly are not born again, amen, but secondly, it sends a shockwave through the body of the Christ. What have I done? What do I need to deal with? Where's my sin? Amen? Amen or oh me, folks. This is important. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We must examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. First Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. True virtue is not passive 
about evil. Genuine love is not tolerant of evil. Genuine love hates evil. And that's not me saying it, it's the text. I'm just proclaiming what the text says. So, first of all, genuine love, true love, non-hypocritical love does that. Evil is not tolerated, but despised as that which is injurious and wicked. Where there is love, evil is abhorred and merely not merely lamented, but less covered up by but hate it, it is hated. We Christians have a way of picking and choosing what evils are acceptable and what are not. We do. I'm going to be careful in saying this, but I think this is absolutely true. We have a revulsion about abortion. Rightfully so. But a tolerance of gossip. We have a hatred of transgenderism, but a wink and a nod of speeding. We have a disgustedness with pedophiles, but an acceptance of fornication and adultery with our eyes. We have this idea that we sin, our sins are more pure than yours. They're a little bit better. Oh, wicked and perverse people that we are. We have a tendency to put sins in a hierarchy as if one is worse than the other. All sins of all kinds are evil and an affront to God Almighty and are to be hated, no matter what they are. To put sins in categories of increased wickedness is in a sense to minimize our clean sins compared to the horrible sins of others. This is the very definition of hypocritical love. True, genuine love hates evil. Amen? All evil especially within the body, especially within our own hearts. We must hate it. Should we quit talking about hate? <sighs> well, here's the reality. In my flesh, I, didn't want, I don't want to talk about hate. But we're not preaching in the flesh. Preaching the text of the Word. Therefore, we must preach hate. Because the Bible says to hate. But there's a second one that's much better to dwell on. So, true genuine love not only hates evil, but true genuine love also cleaves to good. Does that word make sense, cleave? How many have heard that word before? You find it in Mark chapter 10 and Genesis chapter 2, not talking about cleave to that which is good, but cleave to your wife, which I guess should be good, right? <laughs> Husbands, leave your home or fathers and cleave to your wife. The Bible says it this way, but from the beginning of the creation, God made male and female. 
by the way. From the beginning of creation, God made male and female. And, none, and, and, and they shall not be morphed. No matter what the feelings are. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man, what? Put asunder. It also says that not only in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, it also reiterates it in Mark chapter 10 verse 7. Folks, when God says it twice, listen closely. When God says it once, we should listen closely, but this is an imperative that goes beyond that. Cleave to that which is good. What is good? The righteous. The one who, with genuine love, not only seeks good fervently, <coughs> but they don't think of anything else. They think of good till death do them part. It's like they're glued together. That's the idea. That's the, that's the, the picture. The Bible says it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what does he say? It says, let your mind dwell on or cling to or cleave to these things. Christians are to be genuine lovers that ooze goodness because they're tied to it forever. They're stuck with it forever. Unfortunately, it seems like today there's a lot of divorced Christians to good. How many understand that? They've, been, they, they, they've divorced the good. We are to be glued to good till death do us part. We're to cling to goodness no matter what the cost, no matter what the circumstance. How? Well, if one is renewing their mind by, sat, by saturation of the text, will they embrace evil more or less? You tell me. If you are saturated in the Word, are you going to love evil more or love evil less? You're going to love it less. If you're going to be saturated in the Word, are you going to hate evil more or hate evil less? You're going to hate it more. You're going to love goodness more. You're going to embrace it more. Do we understand this? It's all about the renewing of our mind. It is being renewed because Joe Shusere is on. Because Sean Hannity is on. Because I don't even watch news, so I don't even know anymore. They are renewing your mind. They are. Saturation of the Word. Submersion in the Word. Immersion in the Word. The result of renewing our minds 
is cleaving to good and hating evil. The first part of the text. By the way, genuine love, the next part of the verse, tells us, it says, so let love be without hypocrisy. It's genuine, it's not hypocritical. Abhor that which is, abhor has the word of hate. Cling to that which is good, that's cleave like a husband and wife. Then it says in verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted. The first command in verse 10 brings to the forefront the family affection that will characterize genuine love. The people of God, all of them possess. The word loving dearly or devoted. That word there, do you you see that word in your text? In in the NASB, it's devoted. Uh, What is it in the King James? I know it's not devoted, but what else is it? Someone yell it out if you would. Where are we to be to one another? Anybody have that in their text? Kindly affectionate. That is that is the King James. Showing honor, um, and that gets down in a little bit farther also, yes. Okay, brotherly at the end. There's two words. This is a big deal because the text, devoted to one another in brotherly love. Okay, so you have devoted is the verb, Brotherly love is an adverb describing the verb love, okay? So we have two words there, devoted and brotherly. Both of those words are familial. Does that make sense, familial? They're family pictures. They're family words. Devoted denotes familial love. In other words, You know, we've heard the term blood is thicker than water. That's the idea here. They are family. Brotherly, and and by the way, I couldn't think of a worse place to call the the town of brotherly love. (laughs) Where is, how many have ever been there? Oh. (laughs) Matter of fact, the NFL considers that stadium one of the most crudest, nastiest stadiums in the whole country. And the name of the town? Brotherly Love. How many understand that? What is it? What's the term? Philadelphia. Exactly, it's the same word. Brotherly and sisterly love. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for what? Adversity. I loved that verse growing up because it is exactly how I felt if I misinterpreted it. How many understand that? I understand that verse to say, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is a thorn under your flesh. Is that what the text is saying? No, not at all. The brother is there to stand by you through thick and thin. And that's exactly what this is talking about. If next week we have our quarterly prayer focus, right? How many understand that? Please send the burdens that you want 
shared with the church, the greatnesses that God has done with you lately, please send them to my wife and myself so we can have that. And if you would like to pray during that service, please send, if you're a man and you would like to pray during that service, please send that, Pastor, I'd like to pray so we can organize that before the end. How many understand that? We don't want to be so rigid, but we do want to be somewhat organized. Thank you. That's next week. That's what we do. Brothers and sisters come alongside them and say, hey, how can I help you? Brothers come along, sisters come alongside and say, woohoo! Praise the Lord, look at this! All of you that came to Colton's graduation, that was a miracle. Not that you came, but that he graduated. No, never mind. <laughs> Honor those. Amen? Honor. And by the way, by the way, I think too many times we honor the wrong things and therefore look like we're putting our approval on the wrong things. There was a little statement given to me when I was very young. It says, you get what you honor. What does that mean? If you did not discipline your son for going out on the street but laughed and thought it was cute, was that helpful? Okay, it's right along those same lines. Except it's in the, man, that was great, wonderful. You get what you honor. Folks, we should honor great things that are done for Christ. Amen? There's nothing wrong with honoring them. We should honor them. That's, and that's coming up a little bit later. But <sighs> Paul is literally saying that the church is a closer family than the biological family you were raised in. That's what he's saying. He's saying this family is more important and is closer. Why? Because this family is all in Christ. We are all united in, through, with Christ as brothers and sisters. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. There's also another verse that talks about coming into the family. So, let me ask you, can we find the gospel of Jesus Christ in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Yes or no? Absolutely. Is it not true that he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now some people would say, well, that's talking about a disciple. We're talking about being saved. And they're two different things. <laughs> You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. The moment you are putting your faith in Christ is you are becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, you have no idea what that means. But as you're renewing your mind, you will. As your sanctification progresses, you will. You don't 
live like you're not a carnal Christian until the morning. Yeah, I think I, I think I am. I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus now. In the world. Let me ask you this: Is that what Jesus said? Rich young ruler, I want to be like that. I want to do that. Oh, go sell everything. Are you kidding me? Building the barn. What are we supposed to do? Count the costs. It costs to be a child of God. I think the, the, the most perfect picture of this is in Acts chapter 2, and we'll finish with this. So turn, if you will, please, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 is where we'll begin. This idea that justification means you're saved, but you live your whole life as a wicked person. Unless you have a crisis moment and you then dedicate your life to Christ somewhere down the line and make Him your Lord. First of all, you never make Him your Lord. He is Lord. Secondly, what are you doing at salvation? You are literally <clears throat> leaving being a slave to sin and becoming a slave to righteousness or Christ. And there are a plethora of verses that express that. Here's the reality. If that bad theology is correct, they also would agree that Acts 2 is the start of the church. So, let's do this. Shall we? Shall we see what the Bible said happened to the first church? How many think that is a fair point? Good idea. Let's go there. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, by the way, what did they hear? Paul preaching the Word of God, or Peter preaching the Word of God. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Their eyes were open, their hearts were softened. Amen? And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, What did he say? Repent! And each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. <coughs> and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are so many things packed into this text. Unbelievable things. I had a professor tell me that the Old Testament saints all possess the Holy Spirit. That's just a flat-out lie. Although, and by the way, this is proof that it wasn't true. If, if we repent, we will receive the Holy Spirit. Amen! For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God has called to Himself. And with many other words, He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, 
be saved from this perverse generation. What was He calling them to? Salvation. What did He say it took? Repent. So then, okay, what was the result, right? There's where we want to go. What is the result of this? So then those who had received this word were baptized. And, they, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeding a sense of, feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had, been, who had believed were together and had all things in common and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from the house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of how praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Wow! Is that awesome or what? What happened? These people were saved. And what did they do? Immediately served others. Wait, 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 wait. They didn't go to Keswick in England to have their crisis moment and then turn their life over to God. Do you read that in there anywhere? They were truly born again and the love, the genuine love of God permeated their heart and they freely served and desired to serve, openly served, and the world changed that day. Amen. I had a professor tell me, well, you have to understand that's a kingdom gospel, not the real gospel. Okay, let's just the word, take the word save out of there. Forgiveness of sins out of there. Come on. By the way, that's why some people literally do not believe they believe this is kingdom gospel and the church didn't start till way back in the end of Acts. Why do people want to do that? Because their theology trumps the scripture. That's why. And you have to make it work, so we'll make it work. Now, back to where we're at. <clears throat> is that a powerful passage of scripture? Yes or no? What's happened? That was the beginning. We are now about 2,000 years removed. A little less, or no, pretty close to 2,000 right now. 2,000 years removed. Is the church seeing any of this? I would be dishonest if I did not say, including my own life, we, unfortunately, Christians, love hypocritically. Because when genuine love is real, man, things change. 
How are we doing? 2,000 years after the first church, we are still meeting and glorifying God, but are we loving as God intended us to love? Or are we self-focused? Being in America, it's hard not to be. That's why I love going to Avon. It's a little easier. Because you're not surrounded by all this nonsense. But we are. That's where God placed us. We need to deal with it. We need to check. Examine ourselves. We need to be saturated in the Word. Focused on His love and glory and mercy and who He is. And in those things, oh, they will change your life because God changes lives. I pray this passage is phenomenal, just like every other passage in Scripture. But man, it's impactful. I will honestly say I'm not as humble as I need to be. And I do not possess the genuine love that I need to possess. In many ways, I'm a fraud and a fake. And until we, the church, are first of all honest about it, and then fix it through allowing the text to fix it, we will be in the same doldrum that we are in today. But today we're going to traditionally eat together. At least we're trying something. But eating together is not necessarily genuinely loving each other. That needs to be the hallmark of every one of us. Then and only then will the gifts be done out of the right motivation. I pray that this has impacted all of our lives as it has mine. Mr. Smith, would you please come and close in a word of prayer? desire to teach us of the word, word verse by verse. Um, help us to appreciate this and how uncommon it is to have this kind of teaching. Um, it's not normal, but we thank you for him. Um, help us, Lord, to um, work at being more genuine in the way we love Pray for each other. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to ask the hard questions. Um, help us to listen. Be with our afternoon as we fellowship over food, but again, help us to do these things, to ask to more than just the weather and work. Help us to glorify you in what we say and do, Lord, in your name alone. If there's a lot of people, just take a smaller portion. We're not going to starve. All right? So that's number one. And then please don't let little kids go through 
um, for, by themselves. Please don't do that. Number two, um, Pat has turned a corner, and I just you all need to know what's going on. Pat has turned a corner. He called Tim. He called myself yesterday. said, I finally feel better. Thank the church for praying for me. But I really like visitors. <laughs> I will tell you this. This is a test of your genuine or hypocritical love. It really is. He's in room 311 in uh, Emerald downtown, and he would or across from Super One area. Great opportunity to sacrifice time and go down there to share love with Pat. Um, it is. I'm just telling you. I've got a plan it to make it happen. All of us should be trying to do that. Amen. And am I making sense? We 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 really should. And and it, it truly does express the heart of what true love and hypocritical love. This is. I'm not checking up on you. That's not my business. This is between you and the Lord. But this is a very important opportunity, based on this text. All right. Uh, do we have any other? things before we go back there. So there's this thing called potluck where everybody brings food. I know it's new to us now, right? <laughs> um, but ladies, do you have anything you want to say? Okay, so it has to be set up. I think, are people going to dish stuff out with uh, rubber gloves, hazmat suit, the whole thing? <laughs> okay. All right, don't let it be required. Adults go through with your children. Thank you. Thank you.